Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Derek, what are we doing? No idea. We're, Still have no idea. I'm, I'm buried into a couch, and <laughs> we are, for some reason, doing this at an ungodly time, and it's very tough to stay awake, <laughs> but I'm stoked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're here at 21 Bricks Winery down in the Southern Tier. How are you? Not too bad, guys. Mike, Derek, thanks for having me today. Appreciate absolutely. it. Uh, you guys had the tough job driving down an hour to come down here uh, bright and early and a uh, nice gloomy day. We probably wanted to be in bed napping and thinking about what's going on, what's going to happen today. So why are you here at 8 o'clock on, the, on a Sunday morning? Well, right now it's, um, it's kind of like the, the peak of our season. We're getting into uh, harvest mode. We just started picking grapes last week and uh, really – Long and short of it, I don't know why we're here on Sunday. No, <laughs> no. Um, we need to make space. I mean, we got a, we got a great crop coming in, and um, we got a little bit of setback uh, with everything going on. People have been uh, consuming a f- few more beverages than, than usual, and it's our job to keep them hydrated. So we got to empty these tanks. We're bottling this morning, getting a few more tanks empty um, before we get into uh, bringing even even more grapes in. So. It's just uh, it's how it works, you know, a last second. You don't get everything done all the way until right at the last second. Absolutely. And so we've got more grapes coming in tomorrow. But today, yeah, we're bottling Summer Dry Riesling. And I'm a morning person, as weird as it is. Being in the beverage industry, I'm still a morning person. <laughs> um, so I'm here bright and early uh, no matter what. And and I need to get all this work done before the Bills play today. So Absolutely. You know, to, be all, to be completely fair. What What's the score? What do you think the score is going to be? Oh, man, I'm hoping for a – 31 14 right around there bills all the way if we don't get more than 30 points against this jets team we need to stop playing yeah something's on you know i'll give a little little, uh, slack (laughs) for the first week you know um but uh yeah we better we better be scoring some points this year we have all the tools the arsenal's there uh cohesive good team absolutely chemistry all that stuff that they they say is important they better be using it this year we better see it (laughs) you know we're all in the same boat, though. It's just sad we can't be there to watch it. So, right. Um, yeah, well, we're going to make the best of it, though. At least we got a team, and they're playing. Absolutely. So how many bottles can you make for one bottling day? Yeah, so in a, we just got a brand-new bottling line, so we just upgraded. Um, that's actually one of the reasons why we're here on a Sunday. <laughs> uh, our bottling line came from Italy, and it was about uh, – three months delayed which set back our bottling process by quite a bit but uh with new line we can do about a thousand gallons in a day five thousand bottles looks like one uh good weekend party for you guys yeah right <laughs> <laughs> um no it's uh yeah so about five thousand bottles um and, and that's uh that's a that's a good fair amount f- about 450 cases nice so yeah we're, and we're bottling out back so we'll check it out and uh you know thing is is uh the equipment we could go faster we could get bigger um but footprint and, and what we do it's all we need i like to do uh bottle in smaller batches sure. um we, we're not a, a 
a micro winery by any means, but we're not a macro winery either. So we uh, um, I still do small batches and stay in relative terms where uh, that's nicer wine, small craft, and and not doing just mass scale. So sure. there's it's I don't need a big big line yet. <laughs> yet. Yet. Which yeah, that's that's a good outlook. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I get that big, you know, uh, either you made it or, uh, um, yeah, just I, it, yeah, spin your, you know, you're spinning your wheels for a lot. You got to get into it. It's a big market at that point. Um, competing across, you're on a global scale. I wouldn't mind being there, but the efficiencies that need to be with it and to be a factory, it takes away the the little bit of the the enjoyment that I really liked why I came into this business. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, you, you want goals to get big, but I want to be comfortable. And I got four kids now, so. Oh. Um, when it gets there, though, it'll be their issue once we're that size. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to push them, but hopefully they come into the industry. But sure. we'll see. But. So, so speaking on that, let's dive into your past and how you kind of got into what we're doing now. Because you went to college at Canisius for something totally different, correct? Correct. Yeah, I was uh, going into medicine. I actually wanted to be a chiropractor. Um, I guess I like cracking bones and no, uh, <laughs> in a weird way. Um, what I really, why I was going into medicine and, and chiropractic was, um, I like to see, you know, people get enjoyment or relief or anything else. And in a weird way, making wine and having a beverage is, it kind of creates that same type of feeling of I've helped someone and, you know, they get to enjoy it and it's a relaxation or whatever, or it's a need or, or however you want to, put it sure. but in a weird way it goes there but how it started for me i mean i i grew up on um, a 300 acre grape farm right here where the winery sits um our farm is all within a five mile radius uh, i'm a third generation um the jordan family which was it's my stepfather when i was about nine years old i got um my mom married mike and uh he was a grape farmer his grandfather his father was uh, started in the 50s uh, went out to UC Davis, got his degree, came back, started a small farm here, um, and then started his family. And the farm kind of grew. My father went off to Cornell University, worked in the lab for a little bit, came back to the farm and said he wanted to be on the farm. And it's my dad that kind of grew it. Uh, it's a pretty easy name, Mike Jordan. Um, <laughs> and he, he played basketball, too. So nice. he's, the, he's, the orig- he's the OG. Um <laughs> Yeah, you like that uh, Citibank commercial or whatever, the pizza, and they say, for Mike Jordan, a pizza delivery, you know, we'd be on vacation, and, and you know, <gasps> Mike Jordan, yeah, and we show up, and it's <laughs> us with four kids, and my dad and my mom, like, it's not Mike Jordan. <laughs> no, it is, but. Uh, it is. Um, Similar, but different. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Instead of crushing threes, he's crushing grapes. Um, but, no, he plays basketball collegiately at Cornell, so he was, wow. he was a pretty good athlete yeah. as well. But, um, and he's like 6'5". Jeez. So yeah, so it fits a bill. Yeah, if it's right, yeah. But uh, no, so uh, he, yeah, he, nine years old. I came into it. He was at that time expanding the farm, getting pretty big, um, diversifying things, not doing just the uh, bulk Concord grapes that grows in this region. But he was he had a bigger vision of growing wine varietals as well, uh, especially in the Lake Erie region. And I think uh, from my grandfather and, and my dad, it was you know don't have all your eggs in one basket. So. Um, instead of having just a monoculture, one grape variety, they put in many different varieties, uh, which was a little ahead of their time on the scale that they were doing it in this region, as well as the cherries and the asparagus. So just kind of making them all to farm. I came into it, had really no, besides living in a house that was surrounded by grapes, I had no real interest or understanding of grapes and or farming. So, I mean, I wouldn't work for my neighbor the first day, and I, I, I mean, I should take this as a sign, but uh, I, I it's a cold winter and we're on out pound post and I stop in a pile of dog crap on the first, <laughs> first day. I'm like, yeah, you know, 10 years old. And they're, they're kind of poking at having fun at me. Like, cause I, I wanted to work. Um, but no, it's, it's actually, um, luckily it smelled like roses. So it's been good ever there since. Go. <laughs> so he was, a, so your stepfather was a grape farmer. Yeah. But still. What was he farming the grapes for was it a different winery in the area or why didn't yeah. he open a winery himself do you know yeah well so um he, my, my we were selling grapes to other wineries other processors within the lake Erie region the finger lakes um big big name wineries um that i'm not going to give all the names mm-hmm. away because there's some some respect they're given yep. but uh you know uh yeah primarily juice grapes for welches 
that was the big thing. Okay. And then the other wine varietals went to, uh, yeah, other juice processors within the, within the region. Um, and, yeah, he, uh, he didn't really – he made – he dabbled in some home winemaking. So as a kid, I saw it in the basement. And, you know, you always tried a little bit when you were a kid. And when they didn't know, oh, yeah. you know, they went away. Um, and it was good stuff. I mean, it, it you wasn't – You got to try, like, homemade wine while I was sipping Coors Light back yeah, then. Well, well, I would say that, <laughs> that wasn't my cup of tea, though. I mean, they didn't – I mean, besides it, we'd put a little bit of water back in the, in the carboys after we took some wine out. But it was the Coors Light and the Natty Light and <laughs> – it was really the uh, – at that point, they were recording things, and, and there's a video of my brother um, show funneling a Coors Light, and that came up on the – you know, at that time, you had the home computer. It was a center located, oh, yeah. and then all the pictures that got downloaded. So, it, you know, it would scroll through on the very beginning, and there's a picture all of a sudden of my brother. And uh, that was – that was yeah, so the Coors Light were in the house. Coors Light were there. <laughs> yeah, they were there. They were going down fast. No. Um, but, yeah, it, and we didn't really start the winery until um, – he, he made wine, but he was just a grower, and the interest wasn't there until I until I kind of uh, took it by the horn and ran with it in, sure. like, 2005. I started making some wine for some other wineries, and, and then 2008 went away, put a business plan together, and fast forward to where we are now, it's – nine year birthday yesterday so yeah. again absolute cheers <laughs> yeah thanks i mean it, we got this big jug in front of us <laughs> celebrating our nine year nine liter bottle uh yeah they're a good time so thirsty elephant and a lot of people out there celebrating with us we had good support and it's thanks a lot of people you know you have a dream you have a vision but you don't know if it's going to work right. but um right. yeah we're the conduit to a good time is like how we like to see it and and people come out here and have They've supported us, and we've supported them in some ways. So, but oh, yeah. yeah, but no, I think I don't know how much of the the true life story you want on that, uh, the chronicles <laughs> of Chris Kane. But um, no, I I went to so I, I grew up on the farm a little bit and, and didn't realize how much I was learning along the way. I, I didn't have a passion for it. I'm not a farmer by nature. That's um, my father's gig. And uh, I don't know, it just didn't resonate with me. So I went off to college to be a chiropractor. I wanted to get away from farming as, as much as possible. But I'm the oldest of four. So um, I was a studious uh, student in college, um, 12 ounces at a time. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I had a good time in college, but, you know, I always got my work done mm -hmm. and uh, I did well. But uh, when I got done, I said, I'm the oldest of four. I'll come back and let's, uh, let's give an honest effort here on the farm. So I came back and worked about a year on the farm. And just, it just didn't resonate with me. It, it, it just didn't, I didn't, it didn't, it wasn't my calling. Mm -hmm. So I just uh, stepped back and said, how can I, uh, what can I do here? And at that time, I was still post, you know, post hangover of college life, kind of living that a little bit, you know, not wanting to end and become a mm -hmm. real adult at that point. Uh, the beverage industry, it's kind of boom, let's go. It's, uh, we can probably start a winery and, and add value to the farm along the way by taking grapes and turning it into wine and, and taking uh, and just adding value along and, and then vertically integrate the two. So I, uh, I think it was 2005, my dad went down to one of his biggest uh, buyers of uh, uh, grapes, and they said, oh, our winemaker just left after 23 years. We need a seller hand or a seller at and that was Presque Isle Wine Cellars in Northeast, um, which I couldn't have landed in a better place mm -hmm. just because it was the diversity and the things that they do. Um, it's a little tough and a little worn around the edges there, but it was one of the first wineries in Pennsylvania in 64 they opened. And um, in some ways, they showed that they were the first ones to start in 64. <laughs> so it wasn't like I just stumbled right into like a gravy situation. It, was, it had its... Uh, you really had to work for it to make wine there, yeah. and it was great. I, I put in 10 years there, um, and I was – that first year, I was I didn't really know much about winemaking. I had a science degree. I could work in a lab. I, I knew organic chem, general chem, and I didn't realize that I knew as much as I did about grapes and had a, a palate from tasting the grapes growing up as a kid and, and being on the farm where you're growing veggies and fruits, and you're always mm -hmm. trying fresh stuff. And you, you don't realize how much you just um, – through osmosis, it just kind of sinks in, uh, even though you're really not into it, per se. Sure. So um, I'm 12-hour day coming home and reading a Wine for Dummies book, like how to make this, and I'm literally reading it the night before coming out the next day, which, which was a good time. I mean, and I was, you know, and that first uh, three, four years, I was just a sponge. Sure. I mean, I, I started making wine, and it was 
it was it. I knew it was my calling. It was a uh, passion was there. I, I still don't work. I mean, I, I really enjoy what I do and, and, and it was hard work, but I didn't, you know, the family wasn't there and I came from a hardworking family. I, I just thought that's how it is. And I don't know any different in all honesty. Right. So, um, yeah, did that for several years, but uh, and then once the the kind of the seed was set, and my mom was a driving force, like, oh, we should start a winery. She was like, yeah, 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 poked us, and um, and so started the seed kind of started to grow more and more, and uh, it was you meant and we talked shortly about uh, Australia here, Mike, but um, I didn't want to have a one-sided point of view of only working in one location and having that before I went and did my own thing. Right. And that's when I said, okay, let's, let's go somewhere else. And the opportunity came to go down to Australia. And I went down and worked to harvest there. How? <laughs> so how does that just exist? Like, how did that opportunity start? Where did that really come from? Who did you know? Like, is it from like a Kenesha's buddy or? Yeah, yeah, no, it, it certainly is. This world is not uh, what you do; it's who you know. As we're starting to find out as you get older, yeah. as yeah. sad as that is, but uh, that seems to be the case. Actually, um, I'll give credit. Mario Mazza, Mazza Winery, right here at Mazza Vineyards, five and twenty. Their their whole corporation that they have over the, right here in the Lake Erie wine country. Um, in their own right, a big pioneer in the region, along with Doug Moore at Presque Isle. I'll, thankful to credit to him mario went to school in australia he went to university adelaide and got his uh, enology degree so which is wine wine science wine making and when he came back we're the same age we're kind of just chatting and, and bringing it up and and in the winemaking world you have this these traveling winemakers and it's it's kind of these uh like, like a workshop yeah no it's you go to their busy season like accountants have like the spring winemakers wine wine seasons the fall and when grapes come in so it's like this this three month period of like all hands on deck just extreme wildness um you know take to like the fishers on the, the what is alaska catch or whatever you know, it's just <laughs> sure. that busy season and oh, you're yeah. just you're just working your butt off and you bring in the greenhorn and and uh so you need all these people for the three months of the year and then they kind of and they bust their butt 12 15 18 hour days for three months and then they kind of travel around and are nomads for the rest of the year and so it's like this cool group of people that are traveling winemakers and and you can kind of get into that that world and so i went and did vintage down there and it was just that's kind of the norm in the wine industry in the wine world is that you have these traveling winemakers you have interns come and it's, you always want to go to somewhere foreign. You're, you're killing two birds with one stone. You're going and visiting a region that you want to see. You're, you're tra- if you have a traveling bug, you're able to travel. You're meeting new people. It's kind of a – the beverage industry is a fun world, um, not only because of the beverage, but it's cool people. I mean, it, it's, it's fun people to work around, and, and we're all working for the same goal. And whether it's a micro winery or a macro winery, it's just scale. We're all doing the same thing. Sure. It's just – on a micro or a macro level, uh, bigger pumps, bigger hoses, uh, you know, longer days, there it doesn't exist. They're all long days when yeah. you're in this industry. But um, so, yeah, I, I reached out to Mario, said, hey, do you have any contacts in Australia? And he had a few. One of his classmates uh, had just started a, uh, as assistant winemaker at a big winery. And I reached out to about five or six different people. But Victoria reached back to me and said, yeah, we, we were looking to hire. We're at a new winery here. Um, looks like you have some good credentials. Come on down. Did the paperwork, uh, got the work visa, all that fun stuff, figured out about international travel. And um, I travel. I backpacked uh, through Europe. My roommate studied abroad through college, and I was fortunate enough growing up to be able to travel quite a bit with my family and also independently before even college and in college. So I, I wanted to go somewhere, and Australia is on that list. So And why not be able to do make wine and go to Australia? It sounded fun. Um, New Zealand would have been another choice, uh, but I knew I didn't want to go to Europe because I wanted to speak English. I, actually, I heard they're a little fun down in Australia, and, and it, it, it was par for the course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're a riot. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Yeah. But so, yeah, um, thanks to Mario and his connections, it was connections that got me down there. And I got picked up. Uh, there was five other seasonal intern types, and I got – we were living in the Olympic Village, so the I think it was the Sydney Olympics were down there in 2000 or so. They uh, the owner of this winery, which was Stewart Wine Company, they uh, they bought the 
I guess the townhouses type setup that the the athletes were living in. Oh, sweet! So we had resident uh, residents on the winery grounds itself, but they were nothing more than like the uh, cargo tank, like the pods, <laughs> and then they had like a, a one center room. So it was four pods with a center room, and we each so was, and so yeah, and you had bunked up with roommates. So my roommate was Sergey Likolikt from uh, Ukraine, who didn't speak English that well. So I and I became his. Uh, and he came from a different area as well. Our yeah. first day, they gave us a Jeep uh, Raider. Funny story. Like, this old old Jeep, come to find out it wasn't registered or inspected, and I'm driving <laughs> through Australia. We go to the grocery store, which is 40 minutes away in Bendigo, and Sergey wants a, a slab of beer, as they call it down there, which is a 24-pack of, uh, I think, Victoria Bitter or something. He wanted to try Australian beer. We get to the back of the Jeep, and he cracks one open and starts drinking. Here I am coming from New York. Stay like, you can't, I, I'm driving, but you can't uh, be having an open container in the vehicle. Ah, uh, Ukraine, no problem. And uh, Also very correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, and he, he pulls up his wallet. Uh, cop, no problem. And uh, so yeah, Sergey's like maybe 6'1 and maybe a buck 50. I mean, he's not that big. And he's... We're no, no sooner than out of the parking lot. And he's like in his fourth beer. <laughs> and uh, I was like, wow. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, there's a sobriety checkpoint. Oh, I am no not way. kidding. How'd that work out? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> Sergey's like, oh, we just pay. We just pay. <laughs> I'm like, I don't think so. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> and uh, so he's sitting there, and I got the empties. I, I didn't know any of the rules in Australia at this point, like what can or what can't happen or, you know, they speak English. It's probably like America. They have the same laws. I'm kind of sweating it. Here I am like day two in Australia uh, driving away in a, well, the registration inspection on the vehicle wasn't ever set up. It was a farm vehicle that wasn't allowed to go more than like 10 miles from the farm. And here we are like 40 miles away. <laughs> you know, I'm on the wrong side of the road. I don't know what side to pull over. I got you know, a, a litter of empty cans at my feet, and uh, I'm like, what? And, and Sergey's there opening another one, like, no big deal. <laughs> we pay. We pay. Yeah, we pay. <laughs> like, oh, we just... And they come up, and they, they're like, all right. And I, I, why are they doing, like, just random sobriety, like, uh, breathalyzers? But yeah. that's what they they were doing. And uh, so I, I blew in it. Uh, luckily, I hadn't had anything, and they, they were okay with open containers. So... But they, they dinged me pretty hard about the vehicle, and they weren't going to let me drive back. I don't have a phone. I have no way, like, you know, and it's the first time really being, like, living independently, living. Right. Um, yeah. I hadn't really set everything up. I'm new in this whole thing, and here I'm on the side road. I can't figure out how to call back to connect to where I'm at. And, uh, oh, yeah, so it was a, it was a nice, fun first, uh, first week there in Australia with Sergey, but... It brought us together pretty good, and it was a good time. And uh, I finished the rest of that 24-pack when I got back. <laughs> I didn't give you him another. Yeah, point. yeah. So, no, but uh, then we fought with the farm, and they registered and got everything good and take care of, took care of my fine and everything. So, I don't know. I didn't do anything else. I'm probably still a criminal back there. I don't go back. <laughs> You're on the blacklist. You yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, we've heard a lot about the climate for Western New York yeah. mirroring Germany. Yeah. What is the climate for growing grapes in Australia, and how does that compare here? Yeah, it's it's a hot climate, I would call it. Um, I, I think it was that first week I'm talking to the winemaker, and he goes, this is, mind you, this is early February I get down there, and um, I think maybe that first week, he's like, February 23rd, we're harvesting our first vineyard. I'm like, how do you know? He's like, well, every year we harvest at that point. That's when it comes in really like i grew up in the east coast we don't know day by day when things are coming in because like here we had a morning shower and it's rain and it's hot summer and cool it's consistent down there and i just remember walking like it's not even fair why am i even trying to grow why are we trying to grow grapes in western new york and uh when they when it's like a perfect they're not doing any work and then getting these beautiful ripe grapes um it's a hot climate for sure they it was primarily shiraz um very hot and dry the thing is they didn't have water that we had to we were trucking water in by the tanker load to be able to do our work 
which was very crippling. They don't have water. There's natural resources, and it's water is a limiting factor. You can grow grapes, but you don't have water. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. So they were drought-stressing things and, and dealing with other things. It was just very hot. It was 110 degrees some days, and I worked night shift. So if I didn't make it back to the to – the, uh, tanker or the cargo tanker before uh like the sun came up it was like 140 degrees in there we're still in the insulation wrap that went around the tanks and put in our (laughs) windows to like just keep the the light out and not get too hot but it's um it's a it's a nice climate it's beautiful down there and and it's it's warm climate winemaking which which leads to these very um luscious very bold upfront heavy wines with high alcohol um sunshine in a bottle i'll call it and you know where it's difficult to sit at dinner and and have a whole bottle because you're, you're going to be rocked pretty good because you're, you're doing a 15 18 alcohol wow. wines you know and you know you're having food yes but uh you know you go out for a casual dinner and then want to be able to try to get home that's that's kind of difficult and, and, <laughs> and inhibits things a little bit but not thankfully we have uber and all the other good things but that wasn't there at that point and um I, there's a little bit of, uh, uh, I guess I'm a little jealous at points, but then I also think about like how beautiful we have it here, mm-hmm. fresh water, um, we're a cooler climate wine. Our wines have a little more finesse, um, not so much the sunshine in the bottle. There's also varieties that they can't even grow there. They're not suited for, for warm climate that right. we grow here. So we, we kind of stay in our own lane. Uh, they're growing Shiraz and, and hot climate. We might dabble in it, you know, so I'll put the blink around for a second and then get back. But um, I, I stay in our lane. We're doing cool climate whites, Riesling and Chardonnay, uh, aromatic whites, not big, bold reds. Big, bold reds, I'll go, from, I'll go somewhere else. Sure. We do some reds, but... Uh, um, Mostly dry. Yeah, yeah, our, yeah. Our, our reds are dry. We have some off-dry stuff that uh, you have what you, you like, but you, you're also what your region is and what your customer demands. So we, uh, we do make some off-dry wines that are a bit softer to balance out our acidity. With sunshine comes like, yeah, you don't want to get in the biology too much, but you know, as you're ripening a grape, uh, the, the wine's creating sugar. Uh, or the grapes are, are getting riper, they're, they're getting sugar in the grapes, and the acid starts to degrade or, or break down. So you end up with this high sugar, low acid in, as the hotter and warmer your season is. In cool climate, you have lower sugars and a little bit higher acid, sure. which in my eyes is a better balanced wine. Um, I don't want to just drink sugar water with, with alcohol. Um, so you get this, this uh, I don't want to call it sweet tart, but this balance of, of uh, sweetness to crispness, and the whole acid level, uh, that whole game is really nice, and it's really perfect in this region. In Australia, we were kicking Aust- like tartaric acid into the fermenter vats by the bucket full. I mean, we had drums of tartaric acid just to bring their acids back up to balance. Sure. And, yeah, I'm a science guy. I get that we can manipulate wines and do all those things, but I like the fact I, – in some ways, I'm a purist. I try mm-hmm. to do – I let the wine make itself, and I don't want to be adding acid. I don't want to be deacidifying. I don't want to be adding this, this, this to make it into the perfect thing. So I'd rather we just grow grapes and pick them at the right point for, and make it to the style that I want. And uh, I'm not going for high alcohol. I'm not going for um, big, bold, luscious reds. No, I'm going with, if I'm doing reds, nice finesse reds with good, perfect balance that are food-friendly and they, they marry up well. And then I make a lot of uh, crisp aromatic whites that are, you know, for when we do have warm weather, they're nice just to sip alone mm-hmm. or, or uh, pair up with the right food. Uh, they, they enhance the experience with food and wine. Sure. So talking about your wine specifically, what are your staples? What are you most known for here? Mm-hmm. Um, partly because of the region, but, you know, you saw the big elephant when you pulled in. Uh, we have a big pink elephant in front of the facility, yeah. but our house wines, which is uh, Ella, our Ella's series, named after the big pink elephant in front of the facility, um, and it's our native grapes. So the grapes that are uh, native to this region, which is why this region got put on the map by growing Concord, Niagara, Fredonia, Catawba. So these these uh, Vitis Labrusca juice grapes, you would call them. Mm-hmm. Well. Juice grapes are grapes. They can make jam and jelly and, and grape juice for the table. But 
they're still grapes. You can make wine with them. And they're, they're these very intense fruit, uh, I guess, grapey uh, wines that we finish sweet. And that's, that's probably 60% of my market. Uh, that's uh, the customers that we have coming through here, whether it's nostalgia or whatever. Oh, the smell of grapes. I smell this wine. That reminds me of the region, the people that travel back here. Um, you're kind of grown up. It's, so it's a regional type wine, I would call it. Uh, but it's gained popularity, and it's starting to like kind of spread out further because sweet wine is not popular in, in all the ranks of the world. Um, it's all dry-focused. But if you look at all the Nielsen reports, where's the biggest segment of growth and the biggest uh, It's sweet wines? So, yes, we make sweet wines. And um, internationally, does that get me a lot of like acclaim? No. But I also do make uh, dry wines, and we make very damn good dry wines. Um, our Riesling is top notch. Had a lot of accolades. Chardonnay. Uh, I like Sauvignon Blanc. We dabble with that a little bit. Um, and then I would say probably forty percent of the time we make we make decent reds. Is uh, our climate? It, the past ten years, it's been a bit warmer, mm-hmm. and so my Cab Sauv has come in a bit riper, and I'm able to get the the level of ripeness I need to make my style of, of wine. That, and those grape varieties are ripening up. Sometimes some of those varieties for big reds, we just don't have a long enough growing season. Sure. But the past 10 years have been been starkly different than... than uh, Past. And, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're able to start dabbling. Plus, I would say um, we're learning how to uh, manage the vineyards better. So a lot of what I do on the winemaking side is credit to what happens out in the vineyard side, 90% of it. So we're pulling leaves at the right time. We're managing the the amount of grapes that are on the vine because a vine it wants to produce fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, going back to science, you know, um, the grapevine wants to put out as many grapes as possible. So the birds come and eat those grapes, and then they go and spread the seeds so that you're growing more grapevines. Mm-hmm. That's how they're propagating. That's so. What, what we found is you can. We don't need all those grapes, and if you have all those grapes, they don't get to the ripeness that you want. So we, we manipulate the vineyard by dropping grapes. Uh, we pull leaves to get more sun exposure into the grapes. Um, we know when to irrigate when we, when we do need water. Um, in the past several years, we have, so we, we can irrigate at the right times. So we're doing all these processes in the vineyard to make the happiest vine to produce out the, the best grape. And... Um, they weren't doing that 10, 15, 20 years ago when my dad first started. They weren't. They were doing some of those processes, but not on the scale we are now sure. to really hone it in. And then optimal picking times. We're using a machine to harvest. They used to do hand picking. So I'd go out, sample the grapes, and say, okay, you're ready to pick. You get a crew of 25, 30 people out there hand picking for the next three days, and you might have missed that window of opportunity of having peak flavor. So oh, I can go out there. I'm sampling that grape that morning. I'm like, hey, Dad, these grapes are ready. Bring them in. He's out on the harvester with a crew of three people, and they're bringing 20 tons to my loading deck. We're processing that. Within two hours, I have 20 tons of grapes turned into juice sitting in a tank. Boom, right as the flavor is peaked. Like, Because uh, you're always sampling, and, mm-hmm. and, and things like getting a strawberry in the supermarket. You know, they're, eh, These ones don't have as much flavor yet, and then all of a sudden – they're there, and you want to eat them when they're all ripe. And, and it's the same with grapes, any fruit. Like, we have these moments of peaking top flavor, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of things we can do now. I, for most is being able to pick them right when they're peak mm-hmm. ripeness, and that carries through. I can't add flavor, and I can't add aroma to wine. you got to get it from the vineyard, and then it's my job to maintain it through the winemaking process. I can't add it. So right. that that's really um, – I, I, I go on tangents. So. No, that's, <laughs> awesome. that's awesome. So real quick, I want to talk about that, that elephant and kind of what started that. But do you buy actual grapes and just eat them? Because I feel like I wouldn't if I <laughs> literally lived on a grape farm. Yeah, I mean, I certainly don't buy grapes. Yeah, right. My wife does. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Um, but there's always grapes in the fridge. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I go out and sample a lot here. Um I find it hard pressed to go we'll and, and yeah and, and buy grapes, but I'll eat grapes at home. But we've uh, have small blocks of of seedless varieties that I ate as a kid that we have for per home personal use, like that we'd put at the dinner table. That's how Marquis came up, like one of our most popular wines. It's a seedless table grape that 
I liked eating as a kid, and now we make wine out of it. And oh, nice. Only a couple in the country that do that, and it's one of our more popular. But, yeah, no, I – you want to hear a funny st- – I'm, I'm really not a giant fruit fan. <laughs> what I, is, why? Yeah, and that – I – and I think that it, it's good and bad in the sense that I'll eat fruit, but I, I, I don't, like, crave it or anything else. But I'm eating fruit more in the, like – I'm I'm – digesting in the sense of trying to take in every sense of smell and taste and i'm too hyper focused on trying to what is a pomegranate taste like what kind of flavor am i getting from that okay so now when i'm smelling my wine and i'm trying to make my descriptors or i'm trying to figure out what do i smell in this wine or what am i tasting i can draw back on that where i'm not just eating it blindly and tasting and i'm i'm just so focused on it that i it takes away the enjoyment of eating fruit because i'm trying to (laughs) Trying to analyze it a little yeah, bit yeah. too much. All yeah. right, what's a Bosque pear taste like versus <laughs> a Bartlett pear? And what are the different nuances? And, like, does my is my Chardonnay showing Bosque pear? Or is this uh, – so, like, that's the sense. Um, melon or honeydew, like, all mm-hmm. that. Kiwi. Like, I'm, I'm buying dried kiwi just so I can be like, okay, how's this exactly taste? Oh, Gewürztraminer has uh, Rambucan flavor. Well, okay, let's go see what this tastes like. Sure. And uh, so I, I fly out to Hawaii and I get some fruit and eat it. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I figured out about lychees, in all honesty. Yeah. That's but, sweet. So, yeah, I, I'm not a big fruit fan and, and uh, I appreciate it. I'll eat it, but uh, I don't seek it out like some do. Sure. And so, so the elephant in the room. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good so, one. You like that? So, <laughs> so where, did the, where did the elephant come from and, what, and what's the story behind that? Yeah, so my, my dad, there was an amusement park in, in um, Lakewood, uh, Molly Browns, and, and they had these big uh, animal, uh, fiberglass animals, I would call it. And they went out of business and they had an auction, and we tried to get the, my dad, for whatever reason, wanted an elephant. And he's, my dad's a little different. Um, he has a good character and personality as well. And we have a U-Pick cherry orchard across the street. It's been there since the 60s, but it's off the road. And he wanted something that stood out that showed where the entrance to that driveway was. So he he's like, oh, no, an elephant, a dang elephant sitting on the side of the road's got to draw some attention. So he got, we didn't get it at the auction, ended up like a mile down the road at this guy's house, literally on Route 20, a mile before you get to us. If you drove by, he has a Buddha or an ET in the front of his house now. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's always got something different. Uh, but... <laughs> He had the elephant for a while in his front yard, and uh, it just went for too much at the auction. We didn't get it. This guy got it. And, like, a couple years down the road, he's like, I, I want to get something different. Do you guys want the elephant? So we ended up with the elephant in a roundabout way, and my dad started putting it by the side of the road in front of the driveway, and he'd hang cherries from it and drape it with the, um, you know, stuff in the wind to draw attention, uh, shiny objects. And then when I started to build the winery, we moved it across the street here and we put our banner on it saying coming soon winery and it, it kind of just was there as just a billboard. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we opened and he uh, painted it bright uh, yellow, which his harvester is yellow and, and he's a farmer. He doesn't waste anything and he had this bright yellow paint. So he painted the elephant yellow because what draws more attention than a big yellow elephant, sure. which didn't go over too well you know getting some hate mail we had a john just pack a derm how could we do that to it really and, oh yeah so it was <laughs> yeah brother. some people had some time on their hands and uh <laughs> yeah so this was 2010 or so and and so at that point people were still complaining about things <laughs> oh sorry no, um <laughs> the uh, so then i was we had our grand opening um well, we opened in September of 2011, but we didn't have our grand opening until April of 2012. And I was releasing our Elataba, which is a pink wine, um, using the Catawba grape, and it's a pretty color. And I was remodeling my house at the same time I'd been building this winery, uh, making wine, still working for my full-time job, Jesus. and remodeling my house, and I'm in Home Depot, and I'm picking paint colors for my bathroom. And I see this pink, sexy pink and I'm going, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, pink Catawba, pink wine, the elephant's going pink. I, sexy pink to this day stuck in my head. So I came back, and uh, we, I spent about eight hours painting this elephant, giving it a pedicure and a manicure, doing the nails on it. You know, I, I, I've given a pachyderm a manicure. 
Yes. Um, you go out there and check the nails out before you leave. Right, they're, yeah. pretty. Um, <laughs> they're pretty. They're <laughs> pretty. Um, but, yeah, so I, I painted it bright pink, and it. we had these grand illusions of, oh, St. Paddy's Day, we'll make it green with – but it, it takes a long time to paint it. Sure. And um, so it kind of – that she went – pink and it's kind of become our our ma- unofficial mascot and who we are i put this big beautiful building up and i'll be describing to people yeah we're the the big building 21 bricks with the cupola and uh we don't know where that is uh the pink elephant oh we know right where that is yeah. you know so everyone knows where it is because it's kind of our landmark and and all the little kids stop everyone takes their pictures out there it's, it's a good time and then we so we made a, a series of wine named after the elephant and um and a, Another weird way, elephants, not knowing the, the bit of it, my uppa, uh, my mom's father, he was an international pharmaceutical sales rep, and he traveled a lot. And every time he was on the road, he would buy an elephant for my oma. I always, as a kid, remember going to the house and seeing all the elephants and stuff on the, they collect, they had a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and when he passed, he sent, my oma sent all the elephants to us. So there's elephants in the building here, just little elephants. Uh, that kind of so they kind of have a on my mom's side a personal meaning and we have like the 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 ones that are um, have true value and meaning to us we have those at home sure. or in the safe but some of the ones that are just uh, for display we have around the winery and we we always kind of go on a go on the road we'll bring a little elephant and uh so they're 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 good luck and then that's why he collected them but the little side story though on the elephant as well my father-in-law was here helping out for maybe one of our our fourth or fifth birthday party and i just i'm happy that he has personality so someone's walking through a number one question why the elephant why the elephant someone's walking in the door and and uh they're saying that question i hear my father-in-law he's like oh well their great great grandfather was trampled in africa on a safari (laughs) And so for they're paying respect to the elephant, and this girl is just you just eating it up, and my father in law is just like having a good time feeding it into it, and uh, and he let her go. He just didn't even like. So I stopped her like, hey, you know, that's my father in law. He's got a good personality. So depending on the care, when I'm working the taste bar, depending on the person that comes through, uh, we'll tell it depends on what story you get of how the elephant came about, but, uh, that's awesome. Safari in Africa trampled my uh, great grandfather. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, you could have some fun with that. Yeah. And if you're driving down the road and you see pink elephants, pull over, we'll take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Do people try to climb it at all? Um, yeah. 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 yeah that's our oh, number yeah. one thing. Uh, we also have a buffalo over on the other side, like the buffaloes that you see in Buffalo. Um, my aunt actually was an artist and d- did some in Buffalo oh, as well. Cool. But we have a Berry the Buffalo over on the other side, which is our, our new line of wines, our berries series. Um, but, yeah, they try to climb it nonstop. And it's sometimes it's hilarious because you see these people that think they're still cheerleaders and there's no base mountain. Someone throws me, literally go right over the whole elephant. <laughs> they land right on their back. But in all serious, like if you want to take like the insurance liability side of it, it's dangerous and it's not oh, the yeah. right thing. So we have signs out there. Please don't climb the elephant. We always have someone on watch. My mom, she's a fiery redhead and she loves to go out there screaming at people. Not good for PR, but um, it's good for insurance. It's good so for insurance. Yeah. yeah, she she does the accounting and bookkeeping for all of us. So <laughs> on the farm and for for this side, she's the liaison between my mom and my or between myself and my dad. So, um, but yeah, so she's out there, uh, and then we gotta kind of depend on how upset or how how much climbing they did. You know, I'll be on Facebook or I'll be on scrolling Instagram or something else, and I'll see these random pictures of people I don't even know. And they're on the elephant. They're coming after hours climbing the elephant. But some ways I'm like, oh, cool. They've been to my place. Others I'm like, son of a gun. Yeah. Um, but in all fairness, I know that I would have been that guy uh, <laughs> 15 years ago. In some ways I'm tolerant of it. But other ways I'm like, as you get older, you get a little bit more crotchety. Sure. And, and once you've built something, you're even more like, why? But uh, so, yeah, no, um, all the signs are out there. No more. No more climbing on her. It's just fiberglass, too, so if you... Oh, yeah. yeah. We've thought about putting Vaseline on it or grease, so if they get on there, they're all covered. (laughs) Like, oh, sure, they're going to come in the winery, though, and then want to clean off. Uh, The spikes on there, you know. 
give her a barbed wire fat collar, you know, <laughs> badass uh, elephant. But no, we just uh, asked you not to climb it. Yeah. We did have a, a, a group hang on the tusk, and, and she broke the tusk, so oh, we had to man. take him in for repair and fiberglass and redo it. Thankfully, there was a guy in Buffalo that does large elephant repair work. That's a very niche <laughs> I, business. He, actually, he was, he was the guy that did, they did buffaloes, the fiberglass oh, buffaloes. Okay. And he randomly stopped by going, hey, I do these, and I see you have a broken tusk. I can do this work. And uh, so he's from Buffalo, and the guy came in. They, wow. they did the work for us. It was like, wow, because we went about eight months with it broken. It was like one tusk elephant out there. We thought about making a new wine named after it. <laughs> one but, tusk. Yeah. <laughs> well, one tusk. We're going to have him on the pod then. Yeah. 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 Sure. I got the guy's name somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's how they got into that. But no. Uh, actually, they, they did fiberglass work on Corvettes and cars as well. Oh, so okay. kind of in that cool. same realm of, yeah. of nice nice stuff. But Sweet. Yeah. That, that, what's, what question did you have now? <laughs> <laughs> Kind of, you, you pulled the string on this toy, and I'll just keep going. Uh, oh, yeah. No, I mean, that was just all about the, the <laughs> elephant and I'm what just, kind of came there. I'm so. just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, no, it, it, going back, the, the house wines are our are, are most popular. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, though, I, I'm, I'm taking home, like, our rosé, dry rosé, um, Chardonnay. Um, I'll, I'll drink all the wine that I make. Um, I, I appreciate it for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Each wine has a story to me. Every wine has a story every year. Sure. And um, that's kind of the fun at the bar, too. It's, you know, we do some wholesale liquor stores, and obviously with COVID, our wholesale sales are up a lot. Our liquor stores, because customers aren't traveling as much. So we've done a lot more wholesale than we ever did, which is good. But it doesn't let us tell the story. I mean, and and that's what I love working the tasting bar. I come in and, Every wine has a story. You can remember the vintage or, oh, this is the time that the we would have had more of this Merlot, but one of my guys thought it would be good to blend with the concrete. And uh, so <laughs> yeah, we only ended up with half a, vi- half a batch. Uh, so, But it's really good. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> and, and Rich Rich stayed with us, you know. It wasn't the first person to make a mistake. But, yeah, uh, we have uh, house rules here at uh, 21 Bricks and – and number one is don't blend the Merlot with the concrete. Uh, <laughs> I have a good team out back, and they anything fun or something bad that's happened, they they have some I can say on air and some I can't. I know that I can say whatever I want here, but I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to let you guys know all of them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's awesome. Uh, so so what are your like your typical hours, and then where can people find you and all that? Fun yeah, stuff? yeah. So thank you that um, we're open ten to six daily. All year round, uh, just closed for several of the big holidays, New Year's, Christmas, Easter. Uh, But other than that, we're open 10 to 6 daily. Um, And then the last Saturday of every month, we do uh, a live music series called Beats of the Bricks here. Nice. And so in the summer months, it's really nice. We have the big outside venue, and we put the the bands up, and and we'll see a couple hundred people here for – uh, sometimes bigger. It, it depends on the name of the band, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll do it indoor all through winter. But 10 to 6 daily, and then live music last Saturday of every month. Um, 21bricks.com, 21brix, bricks, uh, instead of bricks like the uh, like you see on the road or on the yep. wall. Um, bricks is actually the unit of measurement, the scale that we use to measure the sweetness of the grapes. Oh. So kind of like... Um, we say 21 bricks where it all begins when i'm out sampling grapes uh i talked about that flavor a little bit earlier in peaking and it seems to be at about 21 bricks where you start to get the flavors and you know some will get up to 24 bricks or 23 bricks uh but it's it's 21 bricks where it all begins because i'm starting to get that flavor and uh, so we named the winery after a scale that is in the wine world Uh, now when you're in australia or germany they like or Australia, we want a 24, 25 brick. So we just say that we aim low here. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, 21bricks.com, uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, hashtag Sweeter Shared. Uh, we, we did our rebranding uh, about four years ago. We went with Sweeter Shared, which is uh, we, we have some sweet wines here, but we also have a pretty sweet venue, 
and it's family focused, family oriented. Come in, and, and what's sweeter than being sharing our product or sharing your time with us in our on our comfortable couch mm-hmm. or, or taking our wine back to your comfortable couch? So, hashtag sweeter shared the yeah. elephant as well. But it's huge in here too. This is one of the bigger tasting rooms I've ever seen. Yeah, it is. Um, it's big. Yeah, we we got about four thousand square foot of tasting room. The big thing is, is you know, we have nice weather, but we also have uh, buffalo weather, uh, which I enjoy. I mean, I'm built like a bear. I, I <laughs> <laughs> you people. I rather travel north than go south. But um, yeah, you know, you need to be able to capitalize all year round, and 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 uh, we had the space and we had the uh, resources to be able to make a big building. When we started, the Lake Erie Wine Country, which is a trail of tw- or it's a trail right here uh, south of Buffalo, going from Silver Creek to Harbor Creek, PA, um, largest grape growing region east of the Rockies, thirty thousand acres of grapes, all that good stuff. But it's comprised of twenty-three hardworking family wineries that help each other out. Without them, we couldn't start. And when I went to start my winery and and I started putting the plan together. There was a handful of wineries that were just opened. Noble Winery, Liberty Winery, um, and then a, a handful of wineries that have been well-established with Mazza and Johnson Estates, uh, Prescott Wine Cellars, mm-hmm. Courtyard Winery. All these guys, I went and I picked their brain, asked them questions, and all the brand-new buildings, they said, we wish we built bigger. We wish we built bigger. Uh-oh. We wish we built bigger. Common theme across the board. Don't tell my mom that you wish we built bigger. Because all of a sudden, she's like, let's go giant. <laughs> uh, my dad and I are like, you know, a little business oriented. Like, let's like, let's build right, but let's like stay within the. Nope. My mom, she had a vision. Let's build this big. So um, we went, we went big. We went gusto. I mean, we designed it ourselves. Um, it's a farm family biz- building. Uh, we looked at it. We traveled to California. We visited, I don't know how many wineries. We didn't even drink. We just walked into wineries, looked around, took notes, walked out. It was a great family trip. It really was. <laughs> um, and we took a lot of notes. But what do we like? What we don't we like? And um, so we came back here and we built the building as it is with a theme and uh, plenty of space. We wanted to have people be able to sit and relax, um, have a nice atmosphere, but not feel stuffy. Sure. Um, and... And it's it's still it's it's not like this castle or anything else, but it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then we we put the decor in here. We're we're a hardworking farm family that understands. I don't say I won't say luxury, but we like comfortable things. But we also understand like being real, and oh, yeah. and that's kind of like the feel. I think the vibe we get. We're we're approachable, but mm-hmm. we're still like that comfy approachable. And having tons of space, so you can have your own private conversation over here, and not someone sitting on top of you eavesdropping. I, I mean, I like to do that at restaurants. Oh I, yeah. Well, my wife's always like, "Are you listening to me, or are you? <laughs> why are you laughing at their conversation?" But here, I wanted to prevent that. I, I don't want you to be in their conversation. But um, with enough uh, berries red or thirsty elephant, the conversation I could be in the front of the room. There, you're going to hear that other person's conversation too. <laughs> That's my family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, it was big space, and then we built uh, my my experience that I drew on from working in Australia uh, with the brand new facility. My experience from working at Presque Isle in in like doing Im- incredible amounts with less, um, and then I did spend some time in Germany, um, going through and visiting some wineries and learning about German wines, and so I saw all these production facilities, and so I knew what I wanted when I came back here to build on the production side as well. And I understood that more so than I did the tasting room side. I let my mom and my wife work on the, the front end and do that. And at that point, my brother was a partner. And, and so it was a just big family unit. And, yeah, it stuck. We made the tasting, made modification with the tasting bar. We got 60, feet of linear, 60 linear feet of tasting bar shaped like a top hat so you can get more people around the bar. Um we had the bricks in the building, kind of playing on the words with the bricks and the bricks, but uh, uh, and then we just put the copper bar- top bar in. So it's turning more into like an English pub than it is a uh, winery, <laughs> but beer on tap now, a couple stouts, and uh, nice. yeah, 
we have uh, the espresso machine for workforce efficiency, and we put the beer on tap for uh, workforce morale. <laughs> That's a really good way of putting it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I like yeah that. so uh, they, they enjoy it. But uh, one a day is all you're allowed. We want you to be uh, under. You have to know the product, but you can't be one with the product. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Especially if it's espresso, too. Right, right, right. right. Too well, early. they can have as many as they want of them. I mean, I'm all about efficiency and keeping them going. <laughs> yeah. It's the other side of it. Uh, I want them to be happy, but crashing, I don't want... you need another one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's go. So, <laughs> It's like the scene in the office. <laughs> yeah, they just start tearing up carpet. <laughs> oh, my God, there's hardwood under here. <sighs> well, oh. well, thank you very much for your time. We really appreciate it. This is such an awesome venue, and everyone has to come down here. Something I didn't know before like getting into doing this is that you can come down here not on a tasting, like a, a sanctioned bus, and you can still do a tasting here. Yeah. I didn't know that really prior to doing this. Did you? No. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, and careful with that right now. Sure. In normal times, that's not an issue. We, we the bus is coming through, but during the uh, with everything going on with COVID and the the regulations with the amount of that's our biggest struggle right now. We built big so we could take the buses. Mm-hmm. We put in three three bathroom stalls so we could fit everyone in and get those. I didn't want the like why are you going so big with your bathrooms? Well, when a bus shows up, I don't want them waiting in line for thirty minutes because I was in the Finger Lakes and we were on a bus. Sure. We had to wait. And, but we were only allotted 40 minutes at each facility, and half of it was in line at the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So we put on my mom's like, we're wasting so much space on the bathroom. Like, no, trust me. Get in, get out, and they're at the bar. We can make the tasting room bigger. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but so we do take buses. Uh, we, we do, and the trail takes it in, but it's with reservations. Buses are good, but mm-hmm. uh, we want to promote fun, good times. But sometimes with buses, it's not the right type of atmosphere and fun that we want sure. um coming through uh you know bigger groups sometimes can be a little bit more disrespectful oh yeah um and that's over time they get a lot more of the buses climbing on the elephant but uh right now we have limitations on the amount of people that come through mm-hmm. and that's tough for us because we have the space we want the buses to come through we can we can cater to you you can have the group that has a good time mm-hmm. uh but we've just got to play by the rules right sure. now and, and we're respecting that it's really changed us to adapt and mold a little bit here lately. But buses were a big part of it. And, and yeah, during normal times, that's kind of the fun. And the, the, you go through the region as a group, as a big bus. Yeah. And, and I like it because you guys are being safe. You have someone driving mm-hmm. for you. I mean, that's my big – now that I have a family, I'm, I'm in the beverage industry. But let's be real. Like, we're, we're – it's a slippery slope. We're, we're having tastings and being respectful. But – there's also dangers and liabilities that go with it. So responsible tastings are always big, and we're pushing that. And the, having the buses or the limos and the groups or having a designated driver is huge. I got, I got kids now. They're out on the road. We're pulling out of here. I, I live in this area. My vines, no point, my roots here now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I want to just put these people out on the road. So responsible consumption has, has been big. And that's why I like the buses Absolutely. because it's, it's uh, pushing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Not to get too uh, serious on you guys. No, but. absolutely. It's something we preach too. I mean, we drink whiskey every week, but that's oh, something yeah. that we always say is just drink responsibly. You can enjoy these cocktails that we're recommending, but mm-hmm. do it con- uh, responsibly. So, yeah, it's, when, it's when it's can I come up post. for these uh, whiskey tastings? We do them every week. So whenever you want to come on up, <laughs> <laughs> Thursdays I'm in Buffalo. So are you really? <laughs> yeah, we go up there, but not for Thursday in the Square anymore. But that, yeah. those were the days. That's oh, why yeah. I started the winery to keep the party going. But uh, <laughs> I hardly drink anymore. Um, but yeah, no, we, we go up at our that's our delivery day. Oh, okay, gotcha. Nice. <laughs> I'm so yeah, where can people find you where your product so um you can go on our website we have all of our uh liquor stores that we work with uh but uh if you're looking in the buffalo market obviously the premier stores um all three the uh, global group um and and several uh we're in a lot up that way and i don't want to i didn't want to put out just certain names but um we work with a lot of uh, uh liquor stores up there and if you don't see our product at the at the store, be sure to ask your mm-hmm. your merchant there, and and they'll reach out to us, and we'll make sure we fill those shelves. What about out of state? Are you available? Out of state, so we are for um, we do shipping. Um, we have regulations, so we we ship right now to about eighteen different states. Oh wow! And we're adding adding states every now and then because there's certain paperwork and regulations that we got to follow. 
Um, some people can only order when they're on site. Other people can call and order. But, um, again, on our website, we list out uh, at www.21brix21brix.com. We list out everything on there where we can ship to and who all. But I think it's about 18 states. And shipping has gotten really big with uh, everything going on mm-hmm. with the pandemic. Um, I mean, that's that's really, we're shipping on a lot more. And I think it's great, I, really. Uh, what's better than – I know I like to just sit at home and be able to click at 3 in the morning and, okay, let's ship this in. And then, you know, two days later I got my product. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, like, oh, yeah, I ordered this. Oops. <laughs> it's like Christmas. That was like, I just did a, a wine, a, a whiskey tasting with uh, Derek and Mike. Oh, man. Three in the morning. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> More fun stuff. Just going to yeah, show I'm ordering up. wine. Yeah. Yep. Whiskey and wine. What oh, the? yeah. No. Um, but, yeah, the website, we list everything out. Okay. And uh, it's been kind of nice. And we picked up new accounts. And these these liquor stores are, are, are really good for us. They've been they're busting their butts as well. Mm-hmm. We're thankful for them because it's kind of helped us stay here, uh, for sure. Absolutely. There's some really thirsty people in Buffalo too. Oh my god, yeah. Yes, there are. Yeah, there are. I mean, I was one of them. Yeah, right? <laughs> we're, we're two of them right yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still consider myself, even though we're an hour south. You go anywhere else, like, well, you know, where are you from? I say Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. You I know, mean, it, it just we're within an hour of the city is 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 Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, south, yeah. south Buffalo more so. I yeah, was like, in South Buffalo yesterday. Yeah, what right. do you call this area? I mean, Western New York. I yeah. mean, and this is, yeah, so it's, it's Western New York. We're not quite the southern tier. Yeah. We, we lump ourselves saying Western New York. Okay. Um, but Chautauqua County. Um, yeah, it's, uh, the big thing is Buffalo, it's a market that's, it's, we have a lot of options. Sure. Uh, you, you can go to the Finger Lakes. You can go across the border. Well, not right now, but you can go to Niagara on the Lakes. Mm-hmm. And, and you have the Niagara Wine Trail and, and the Lake Erie Wine Trail, which is one of the oldest in the state. We still struggle with the Buffalo. We're, we're only an hour away. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you're sitting there in downtown Buffalo to go to the Niagara Wine Trail, people think to go that way and they don't come down to Lake Erie. It's, it's an hour. Yeah. It's the same, about the same either way. Um, there's a lot more grapes down here. Uh, it's a lot more fun, too. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it really is. No. I, the beauty of wine trails, guys, at the end of the day, and we've we've had studies and everything else, and it's like, oh, we need to do it this way. Every winery has to do it this way. The, the true beauty of wine trails is that you le- you have a group of 23 wineries or however many are in your trail that each one has a personality. True. And it's the different personalities that makes the trail that much better. I don't want to be all the same. How, fun, how much fun is that? When I, I don't know about you guys, but when I go out, I start out going visiting places. I don't want to go to the same thing over and over right. and over. I want to go and get a different experience in different places. I want to have the different characters. I want to have the different uh, the feel, the different style wines, the different people behind the bar. Some are serious, some are joke. You know, I need that balance. And so I'm an advocate for letting every winery be themselves and not, like, making us do all the same things. Oh, yeah. uh, because that's what makes makes it fun people get to go and do the different things Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and kind of going back to that too uh, my girlfriend and i gina we went to different wineries on the wine trail without a bus so mm -hmm. we just did that for fun because i mean she likes wine she's the one that kind of got me into drinking wine and 21 bricks is one of her favorites but one of these days outside of the the bus like the the sanctioned bus thing we just did like five wineries yeah. came here did a sample because you do that outside of the wine or the the buses coming in and that's just something that will bring more people here to try your different wines and it's a different atmosphere here than it is at johnson yeah and all, all the way down the line so absolutely you got to yeah. come and try every one of these out yeah at least try everyone first and then you know you're kind of your favorites or your feel and you can come back i, I think if you're going to come out to lake Erie wine country um obviously one of our maps or go to our website plan out your route first and i'm a big advocate like Pick four or five, mm-hmm. max six in a day. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's 23. Uh, I, although it's fun and you're nice to put that feather in the hat, like, I hit 23 in a day. <laughs> yeah, you're going to get sloshed. I mean, I hope I'm not the 23rd <laughs> that day. But um, but one of my cohorts or partner wineries are, is going to be, in, and it's uh, it's never a fun scene at 530 in the afternoon after you've hit seven or 17 wineries and come through. The experience isn't there. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think coming – and, and targeting six wineries, taking it all in, being able to sit, relax, outdoor seating or the indoor or hitting one of the restaurants along the trail here. 
in between is, is is big. I think so. That's when I say, hey, you're coming down. Plan on five or six. Sure. I mean, make sure twenty one bricks is one Absolutely. of them. Absolutely. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why we're number one in the in the book. Uh, you're in a good location too, though. You're yeah, pretty central. We're dead center. Yeah. When we did the SWOT analysis, that was both our strength and our weakness. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're dead center in the trail, but we're between exits off the throughway. But uh, it's actually worked out nice. You know, if we get the Erie or this, you know, coming from the west and they get them from the east and they cross over here. Mm-hmm. During wine trail events, it's tough because people start on the outside and they work across and they sure. cross over at us. So from noon to three in the afternoon, it's we're using all the space we have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and then in the morning, we're kind of like, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> yep. yeah. I'm scared. Oh, I'm biting my fingernail saying, where is everybody? Yeah. And then now, now nine years into it, we're like, wait for it. Yeah. Wait for it. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> um, and, but we, we've really learned to, uh, we've adapted and we're able to really handle it. And at the end of the day, I, I, I like seeing people. I like the atmosphere of having a lot of people. I, I, I personally like that, but I want you to, to be with a good experience. Sure. So there's, there's a fine line of, Hey, more is better, but at what expense if you're not going to have a good experience? Mm-hmm. And, and we certainly we try to aim as ma- to please as many people as possible, but uh, it, we're human. It doesn't Absolutely. always happen, yep. and uh, especially this time of the year, right now with what's going on, just a little patience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're doing the work and our butts off to do it as well. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. Hey, guys, it's, it's harvest. We're here working. Absolutely. Cool. So. Well, we won't keep any longer, so thank you very much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Everyone come down to 21 Breaks and check them out. So thank you. Thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.